This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben the Boss Bateman. Whoa, 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 what's going on, guys? Wow. This is a we're, we're an old timey radio show now. Uh, hey, uh, well, ha- Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. Uh, we are celebrating. Uh, this is going to be probably the last episode of the year because um, Christmas is this weekend and the New Year's is the following weekend. Um, and so we figured we'll just uh, kind of do a year in review 2022, go through each uh, each product release of the year give give our thoughts on each of them uh and then um and then that'll and then end with a little bit of uh uh frixian speculation um and Alec, and all now kind of uh, called shot that he would like to flex on you guys brag about some called shots uh, <laughs> first off I, I do want a big shout out uh to our patrons uh thank you so much for making this podcast happen thank you for making this year happen uh if you are a patron uh when uh hopefully uh next month we'll be sending out everyone's quads of lightning bolts everyone that was a, a patron for the last four uh months january December, November, and October. If you're a patron, you'll get four lightning bolts from our sponsors at Alter Sleeves. Uh, and a uh, big shout out as well to Alter Sleeve as a part of that deal. And then lastly, this is powered by TCGplayer.com. There's a link yeah. below. It's an affiliate link. They don't use a code. You use the link. When you click on the link, they'll remember we sent you and uh, it helps us exist. And uh, you can find us on channelfireball.com if you want to watch this or listen to it on the, that platform if you're a Channel Fireball user. So a uh, big shout out to everyone. Now, Year in review. This year hey, started hey, off. Oh, you think? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, you yeah, think yeah, yeah, wait, wait. Trivia. The trivia. We oh, have weekly okay. trivia here on the show, Alex. All right, all right. Do you okay. have tri- here trivia me up? Do you? Oh, I, I was. I had to come up with my trivia. Do you have trivia? Because I'm looking at my binder of old cards here to get some inspiration. So there is a now discontinued Wizards of the Coast product signature spellbook, and. In the signature spellbook series, each one is a uh, series of spells that are uh, centered around a different planeswalker. Uh, yes. There were three printed. Uh, there hasn't been uh, one recently. Of those three, each of them centered around a different founding member of the Gatewatch, except for yep. one founding member. Which founding member of the Gatewatch did not receive a signature spellbook? The way that this contest works, everyone is uh, Ben's going to him and ha as I explain the rules. Uh, you are all going to hit that like and subscribe button after commenting below what your answer is. And if you get the right one, uh, you have to hit like. If you got the wrong, if you don't know the answer, you have to hit subscribe. And if you already hit subscribe, you have to hit like. And if you already hit like, you had to hit subscribe. That's if you, if you if you get it right, you don't have to do anything. Uh, all right, Mr. Ben. Can I ask it? Can I ask a context question to help yes. clarify? Yeah. Do I get to know who the founding members of the Gatewatch are? No, that's part of the question. <laughs> Story gatewatch. I do think, I do think that it. would give. It, I do think that would give it away. I will tell you, you that there was one for each color, uh, excluding one. There one. There was four founding members. One color was excluded. 
wait, really? There was four? Why couldn't you just be like the four, the five planeswalkers from Lorwyn? That's so much easier for me to remember. All right, all right. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, I feel like there's a reason for it. I can explain why. Okay. One more I feel done. like I know that Jace got one because I have some of the cards. Mm-hmm. He for sure had a signature spellbook. I feel like the other founding members of like I think like there was I think it was a yeah God is it is it Garrick uh a Johnny no Gideon maybe one of the white planeswalkers and then I think Liliana did she work with them to like do some stuff maybe I feel like that happened Nissa no Garrick was for sure I think it's I think it's I think it's I want to say it's Garrick Jace. Gideon and Liliana. It, or is it, I'm probably wrong. Gary, it, those, those are the four. Answer. That wasn't no. the question, so I'm not going to confirm. I know. I'm sh- <laughs> you shut it. And if you guys don't know this, all right. So those are the four. I'm going to say. I'm I thought this question was a lot easier than it's ending up being. So you know me. I just I'm a dunce when it comes to certain things. I'm going to say because I know Jace got one. I'm pretty sure there was a black one. Like I think Liliana got some sweet spells, and I think that Garrick never got one. I think that Gideon did for some reason. I'm going to say I'm going to say Green and Garrick. Okay. So <laughs> the good news, yeah, is that Green did is the color that didn't get a signature spellbook from the original but it's 48. Not, but it's not Garrick, is that the problem? Not Garrick. So the uh, original Jace got one. Uh, well, I answered the question correctly because I, by the way, I was not asked who was in the Gatewatch, just, just the color, which means I got it correct. You did Boom. get green. You did Rocket get green. Alex. Uh, Ch- Chandra was the second one. So it was, it was Jace then Chandra, which you missed okay. entirely. <laughs> um, you didn't get the color that wasn't included. <laughs> uh, um, Gideon is the third one. It might be Gideon versus Charter. I'm, I'm willing to say that might not be the right order. Uh, and then Nissa was the fourth founding member of the Gatewatch, and she did not she did not get a signature spellbook. There was eventually a Commander Collection Green, which is the product that replaced the signature spellbook that was uh, just a green, cool green Commander cards. And then there was a fifth Commander uh, Collection Black that was just cool black Commander cards. Uh, Liliana didn't join the Gatewatch until the following block uh, Shadows over Innistrad. She joined an Eldritch Moon. Um, so I actually did have a somewhat correct memory of Liliana being involved. She, well, I mean, Liliana is in the Gatewatch, right? But so is a Johnny, and Garrick has actually never been in the Gatewatch. He has never been a Gatewatch member. The Johnny thing was, I, I thought I remember. Um, I believe at the time Garrick was a full villain, actually, because Liliana cursed him. Remember, he was keeping uh, people. We're gonna go. We're gonna go too deep, guys, on trivia tonight. Oh, we're, so we're now going back and forth. Yeah, well, because I, I never What's get to ask you? Alex trivia questions. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I never get to, and it's so I would embarrass you regularly, and you're you're jealous and or mad about that. I mean, I don't feel that that's fair. Um, all right, <laughs> the original Savage Mill card was Glimpse the Unthinkable. It milled ten cards for blue black. That was like the OG card that had a high rate of return. For two. After Glimpse the Unthinkable, when it comes to just direct mill, I'm talking like two CMC X cards, like a certain number, 
mm-hmm. not like a equal to some weird thing or how many things you flip or whatever, mm-hmm. but just target player mills a certain number of cards. What was the highest number of cards printed on a mill card prior to breaking and entering the mill eight? Um, all right, so I'm gonna him and ha him ha. I'm hemming and I'm hawing and I'm him him hawing. Uh, seven. Do you know what the card was? One in a blue target player mill seven cards. I have a Chinese one here in this binder. Sorcery. I don't know what the name is because I don't know. I was really oh. afraid you're going to be the next one. Mill seven. What's the name of the card? And I was going to be wrecked, but you said the number. So <laughs> I have saved myself. You don't know the name of the card, though? No, of course I don't. I don't know the name of any you guys card. Have to like, you guys have to like, comment, I was and chewing on ice. I was chewing on ice when you said Glimpse the Unthinkable, and I was terrified that you were going to ask me what's, what is the 10 million, 10 cards card called, and I wasn't going to remember Glimpse of the... I, I, I was like, Thought Scoured? No, that's the cantrip. Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't remember that tome. The card is called Mind Sculpt. And I was hoping you wouldn't remember because there was other options. Tome Scour was, you know, one for five. That was a it was a it was a corset common for a long time. Uh, you know, they've been they printed a bunch, but Mind Sculpt was a sweet card there for a second. Anyway, guys, that was our that was our trivia section of the show. Uh, as we said, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment if you didn't get it right. And if you don't already follow us on TikTok, go check it out. Um, we have an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, MM cast. Uh, 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 there's a master's of modern TikTok. It's not just us. It's 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 yeah, Renee, who you guys saw on here, uh, it does a great job and helps us out with that. So um we're gonna do a year in review. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start beginning of the year, first product? What are you thinking? Actually, actually, you know what? Before before we get into the the beat by beat, do you have a 2022 favorite magic thing? Memory, set, experience, something that jumps out for you that was like the best magic thing of the year? The best, like any type of magic thing. This is a weird. I don't know if this counts. Getting getting brunch with uh, Jim from the Spike Feeders, Olivia, Brian Kibler, and Logan, uh, Sarah Six, and uh, on everything uh, within twelve hours of my son being born, within fourteen hours of me previewing. the card for new Capenna with me and cosplay for Xander. Like that was a 24 hour period. And technically I previewed that card 24 hours earlier than I was supposed to. I was supposed to preview it on Sunday, but I did it on Saturday morning and my son was born that day. So I previewed it's like in this room somewhere. Um, yeah, it's not even like an amazing card. I previewed Graveyard Shift as Xander. Oh, yeah, yeah. The same day my son was born and the same day I got brunch with Brian, Olivia, and Jim, and Jim visited, and Logan was visiting the same weekend. So that was my, that's my, probably my favorite memory. So I cheated and went with my son was born. (laughs) Uh, That's that's a pretty good magic memory. Ash is magic. It was pretty magical. (laughs) Pretty solid, pretty solid. I think probably my favorite magic memory from 2022 was the two week span of magic 30 leading directly into summit. And the reason, the reason there's a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason for me was number one, you're a dad and you run the company that I work for 
and you're very busy. I don't get to see you or hang out with you that much anymore socially. We like, I mean, I, I do see you and talk to you a lot, but like the kind of hanging out that we used to do five years ago where we got to like play a lot of magic, game nights and stuff. We'd like travel together a ton. I don't get to do that much. So like, that's really fun for me, but also it re- like reawakened my love of paper magic and just magic in general. I've played so much more magic in the last six weeks. It was like finally post COVID. It was like the thing I needed it. Like I needed that thing that reminded me of how much I love playing and just love building and thinking about it and trying to solve the puzzle and collecting and sleeving cards. And there, you know, magic is this brilliant, beautiful thing that like once you're in it, it really does feel like it is one of the most important things in your life. But it, when you kind of phase out of it, like you can, that's happened to me a few times. It starts to feel not like a waste of time, but it just doesn't have the priority in your life that it would that when you're in it, it feels like it's totally like an inescapably important thing. So many of the best things in my life have come from magic. A lot of my best friends, you know, people I know, it's like so many good experiences. And so Magic 30 through Summit was the, for me, was the big like explosion of, I want to do this again. I want to, I want to get excited about making content and think about it all the time and read about it and open packs and like build decks and own cards. Um, Part of the reorganizing my collection was just because I just, you know, I have tons of cards and it was just fun for me. It was fun to like look through stuff. Sure. So I think that's my answer. But anyway, that's if that's our top. Uh, let's start at the beginning of the year. What was the first set of? of well, I, so so before you get that, twenty twenty is an interesting year. Fourteen percent of all magic cards, I believe, were printed this year. <laughs> of of new magic. magic cards, I think I believe were printed in 2020, uh, 2022, uh, which is an insane number. The multitude of products released this year. Now it, it is by far the worst in the second half of the year. Uh, partially just due to the release schedule of New Capenna, uh, not New Capenna, the, the release schedule of both Unfinity and the Warhammer decks being uh, moved to this half of the year when they were supposed to be in April and over the summer, um, definitely made the fall feel literally like we are in a constant like, like we're we are we are not doing. It. Please comment below if you really really want this, but uh, right now we have no plans on doing a Brothers War uh, modern set review. It's the first set we haven't done a set review. First standard set we haven't done a set review since maybe this podcast has started. Um, and because, so, and just because purely there's just so many cards, like we're new Phyrexia preview. Like this episode is going to have new Phyrexia previews are happening. <laughs> we just haven't had time. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that's a lot of product um at the same time while they've also gone wide in a bunch of different prior releases they've also gone tall right not only is it a bunch of different sets and supplemental products being released every year you have per set now you have set booster draft booster jumpstart booster and collector booster are the four types of boosters available with every single set on top of that you also have the commander decks that go along with that set so there's five different product releases alongside each product set. Then you have secret layers on a monthly basis, um, both big seasonal ones plus monthly ones. Um, and then on the off months from standard sets, you have at least one supplemental set a month. It's a, it's a ridiculous amount of product. Ridiculous. Is that too much? <laughs> you know, I've had this conversation now a bunch. We've had it on this show and I've had it with a bunch of other people. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of like, you know, very pessimistic magic fans who played a long time who have said a lot of negative things over the last little while. It's 
a contentious period of magic. I think there's a lot of people who are talking about how the magic 30 product is ruining magic about how there's too much product about the way that product is released about, they can't keep up with it. And, you know, to some degree, like anything, magic changes. You, if you were a guy like me who spent a lot of years focusing on three expansion set releases, one years ago, I'm talking before M10, like the first years of magic, you would, you would get a core set and three sets. You could track every magic card by name, like easily. You could know all of the cards. It was not, I wouldn't say it wasn't hard, but it was like a point of pride to know all the cards. And I did for a long, long time. Now it is almost impossible to do that. Like it is nearly impossible to track it. Um, You can, but it's very hard. (laughs) You can, but you have to be kind of obsessive. Mm -hmm. You have to, because, because like, a lot of what happened with those old sets and the old release schedule was that you would play limited. So you would learn the commons through limited, you'd open packs, you'd get rares, the hot cards that were played in the standard, you'd know about the really cool cards that would last beyond the set would become iconic. And then occasionally there would be some like dumb white pacifism effect that you like wouldn't remember the name of because like wasn't quite playable in limited or something. But like for the most part, you would get all aspects by doing that. If I don't buy the Warhammer 40k decks, and people I know aren't playing with those cards, there's a lot of cards that were printed and made that I'll never see talk about or have any interaction with. I mean, on that note, I think there's actually kind of a weird positive there where for a long time, I got to the point where like I knew every card. I no longer was surprised by old cards. I basically had played against most ones that relevant and even the ones I have that we've done chaos drafts with. I've looked through the sets for like episodes of this or were cool cards to sue or just like you know look just like I, there had been I, there have been airplane rides where i just looked through every card in magic from hong kong yeah. <laughs> just to like because i didn't know what else to do didn't know and my like couldn't sleep and i was trying to fall asleep and um something that happened at magic summit and magic 30 that was really cool is instead i was regularly surprised by new cards i'd never seen before and it kind of felt like back in the day when you're like oh right it's kind of fun to learn things in a game of magic that you haven't seen before versus having just no, the internal knowledge of everything. I think that like, I think that's a growing pain. I think there's a, a subsection of magic player that just like loved being big brain of knowing every card ever printed, yeah. being able to name every limited, like all-star from every draft format that like they lost that they no longer get that ability. Um, but I don't think that ability is special is I guess is my hot take maybe is like I don't think it's needed or even important to know every card in magic um and if you want to do that you can now it's a harder challenge but you can still do that but like I think like I think there is an inundation of product and it is exhausting if you're trying to pay attention to all of it I think a lot of it is segmented like I I, I think one thing that's cool about commander is you don't need to add a card to a deck ever again this commander deck right here I never have to touch it again. I can just leave it as is and it'll be a cool, fun commander deck forever. Modern you do, but modern still is only having three, four sets a year being released into it, right? If you're playing standard or modern, maybe five. If a modern horizons esque set comes out that year, there's four to five cart sets a year. You have to pay attention to that's one more set than there used to be, but not it's really four and a half because it's every other year. A modern horizon set comes out. I think that probably the answer to the question that you first asked, which is, is it too much? The short answer is yes. I don't think it's too much in in the sense that it's ruining magic. 
I don't think magic is in a bad place. I actually think, I think quite the contrary. I actually think, and I've been saying this to many people, I think magic is one of the best places it's ever been. I think magic is right now in a place where the dominant format is one that encourages a community building experience, which is like playing to the greatest strength that magic offers. Something that no collectible card game, or especially, this is the most important thing, no digital client can compete with. That's the one difference Magic has from all the other competitors to every single new digital TCG that wants to try to even get it, or even like a paper TCG, like Flesh and Blood, that is really well put together with good funding, and they've like they've had a great response. They've got less than two years. You can't compete with 30 years of history, with paper history. You can't. It's impossible. You have people who right now, their kids are 25, and they've been playing Magic their whole life. Their kids played as kids, and now their kids are having kids. Like You've got multiple, multiple generations, and, and, and so much of what makes Magic special is expressing yourself with the cards that you like to play and the types of those cards that you want to put in your decks. So there's so many things that Magic has to offer that the other games can't compete with that I really do think that the community aspect being the strongest format right now is actually, it makes, in my opinion, Magic the strongest place that it's ever been. Does that yeah, mean... I agree. Does that mean that where we are with set releases is perfect? The answer is no. I think, I think that the standard set cycle is still really important. It, it's what creates limited. It's like a very, very cool thing. I have no problems with sets like Secret Layers. I think those are great. I, I like cool premium versions of cards that already exist. It's one of my favorite things that exists right now. I think stuff like a 1200 card jumpstart set or... I think stuff like, I, I do think that there are product releases that don't feel necessary. Like I, I, think I can in, tell you, I can tell you the two products that I would have deleted from this year and, and you touched just on one of them, right? The first Jumpstart one is, is Jumpstart 2022. Was the other one remastered in Dominaria? No, 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 no. I think that's, it's fine. Uh, I, I think, I think the other one is Unfinity, which I feel bad about partially because uh, one of the two lead, Mark Rosado was lead of the designers and, and the other designer was Chris Mooney and this was their first lead design and they really cared about it. They did a really good job. The product from a singular draft experience is really great, but it was too much product at once. Stickers are a massive mistake and the removal of silver border and move to the acorn set made it a massive brain exhaustion. If I could pay attention to Unfinity as a cool silver border set that's really fun to play Unlimited and I don't have to pay attention to a single card in it beyond the fact of like sitting down to a limited environment and not even knowing what's going on and just having a fun time, that set's amazing. All in, even the stickers are cool. But the fact that I have to like care about these cards adds just that extra layer of brain fatigue that that I don't need. Like, And, 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 and it was unnecessary before this year and with the problem with Jumpstart 2022 is I think Jumpstart is an amazing product. The ones that come out with every single set, the ones that come out for beginners, I think that Jumpstart 2022 is a good format and it's fun and it's cool that that one exists, but you could put some of that value into the standard, the Dominaria version of it and just not have a whole set because it was confusing. I didn't even realize when Jumpstart 2022 came out that it was different than Brothers War Jumpstart and Dominaria Jumpstart. Until I got in an argument with someone, they're like, these are three different sets. I was like, oh. I think that um I think that when you talk about the the confusion of Unfinity, I can distill it down to a single experience that I had 
I texted Eric, our buddy, who we used to, you know, we've talked about on the show Highlander Gauntlet for years and years. It was a format that we used to play a lot before COVID. And then, you know, now they're starting to kind of bring it back. And it's super fun. Every single card not on the reserve list basically is legal. And I asked him, uh, are, are, are Mystery Booster playtest cards legal? No. Okay, that's weird because I feel like they should be because they're all kind of regular cards. They're just weird. And then he was like, also, Unfinity is 100% illegal. And I was like, even the ones that are legal? And he says, yeah, no, 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 none of us have any interest or ability or attention to track it. We just banned the whole set. And that's like, there's really cool cards that were printed that were like supposed to be legal in Legacy. <sighs> that is like so hard to eat. Like, if you ask me to name a card from Infinity that's legal in a competitive format, I like can't. I have Thawne. no idea. What? Thaw in half, right? That's like the easy one. I yeah, I've just ignored the set completely. Okay. I, I cool think that's a out. mistake. I think th- I think I, I I'll come out and Eric can come find me. That I think is a mistake purely from it now works different than Legacy, right? It now works different than every other format that follows the same rules of what cards are legal and what cards aren't. That's why I don't like the set, right? I, I mean, we're now jumping around throughout the year, so I guess we're talking about Infinity now. Um, I guess we're talking about least favorite things. Jump for and for the record, Jumpstart 2022 isn't a least favorite thing for me. I think it's a great set. I think it's really cool. The cards are cool. I love the Jumpstart format. I think Jumpstart is the best way to teach kids how to play Magic. Um, I think it's fun for people that already know how to play Magic. I think that just it's too much. And the purpose to me, I think the best use. and, and, And I think a Jumpstart product yearly matters. And I think the ones that come out with the sets are better from the distribution model that's needed. Right. Like the point of Jumpstart, the point of 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 the the theme boosters that they replaced was that's the stuff that at Walmart and Barnes and Noble and Target that moms buy for their kids when they're in the third or fourth grade and they want to buy magic cards and they want to just learn how to play or get started. Jumpstart packs are what you buy them. And for the Barnes and Noble, Walmart and Target models, those need to be coming out with the draft sets because that's what the model they're used to buying these products from. That's when they do replens. And if you don't follow the system for those big corporations, then the product doesn't make sense to exist in the first place. And that's why there's a new one for every set. Could those be a little bit more exciting for you know regular players? Yes. Could the main Jumpstart 2022 not exist? Sure. Um, I did a whole thread and then made a Tumblr post. You can follow me on Tumblr because Twitter might die at any moment um, or be overrun by like ads of heinous things that I've been seeing recently. Um, and the thread basically amounted to one of the problems with Baldur's Gate and Jumpstart, uh, which is another set that came out this year, is the commander is that Wizards has branded formats and product names together, right? Mm-hmm. There is Commander's Legends. That is a draft format. When a box has Commander Legends on it, that means it's a eight pod. You come, you get four pods off of it. You draft a commander out of it. It's a 60 card deck. You draft four packs, blah, 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 blah. But that's also a brand. And when they built the brand the first time, it was basically commander horizons right right commander legends was uh, commander legends was modern horizons but for commander it had a bunch of really cool reprints into the format plus a bunch of really new cards that worked well with it even had that kind of modern horizons vibe where it was printing cards into the format with the uh the way partners work um and then then Baldur's gate comes out and it's like no 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 the commander legends brand doesn't mean reprint set with cool cards for commander it means you are drafting a commander format <laughs> and these right. cards are cool in commander but the point of this is a draftable format and jumpstart is that same problem right where jumpstart 
is two packs that are themed that you shuffle together and then that's your deck there's it's it's like basic sealed and you battle someone else doing that but that is also now the beginner intro product as well as the exciting uh, i'm going to call it the adult version of it that's meant for sure. expert players and that's confusing <laughs> um so get rid of it <laughs> yeah i think i think i mean i think like the Products aren't always winners, right? Anyway, like like we, in any given year of magic releases, like some, you know, three out of four, hopefully in a good year are good or, you know, whatever, four out of six or something like that. Um, so it's okay to have products that are kind of misses. Like it's impossible to have all winners. In fact, I would say that it's kind of impressive that Wizards and their design team has had so many winners. The percentage is actually remarkably high of really good sets and really good products. Um, I think the issue is that it makes the mediocre and even the above average sets seem kind of forgettable when you have a year like this. And that makes us all have a bad taste for things that don't really need to be that way. Like you, you, when, when a bad set's a bad set, we all kind of know it. When a set is like just okay, or it's kind of good, but you have to play it for two or three months, you kind of fall in love with certain aspects of it. You have a good memory of it. You, it, it still sticks in your mind as a thing that happened that was relevant. And right now, the ones that are mediocre to bad are are they're almost like they're deleted that makes me so sad for that makes me sad for the for, for people like chris who who like are designing a set and like it's taken their 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 sweat their blood sweat and tears and their time uh to really make an exciting thing that didn't quite feel like it got a fair chance um and so anyway that's yeah go ahead and no, no, and, and I think I think like doing this in order is boring. <laughs> we've already we've already gone off the rails. So I'm just going to touch upon different products as we talk about them, because the next one I want to talk about is Baldur's Gate. Uh, let, let, you know, the first uh, the first real limited environment or sorry, the second the second limited environment, because this is the second Dungeons and Dragons one follow up to the last one. They kind of took two different ideas they had. They smushed them together. They kind of in a weird way took like one of the strengths of the Dungeons and Dragons set a year ago was that it kind of rode the curtails of the license behind it, where people were excited about Dungeons and Dragons sure. things to pay for the fact that it was relatively underpowered, which I, I think is an interesting feature for the Lord of the Rings set in the future. And then they took commander legends and they took that format and applied to it. They, I think that in some ways was a mistake for the set. Like I think the big flaw with Baldur's Gate was value, right? If, if you ask anyone what the complaint for that set really is, it's value. There's a new complaint where it's ruining legacy and we can touch upon that. Um, but I think honestly, if they had just put Dockside Extortionist as, as a mythic in the set, it immediately becomes like fine. Like they just were missing I'm one high at, profile reprint. I'm also looking at the list right now of Baldur's Gate. Two, two things. I know, a lot, like, I know a lot of these cards from having looked up for commander decks like just like coming across them in my mm -hmm. deck database or whatever there's 651 cards in this set mm -hmm. that's a lot of cards it's a huge set uh, i don't mostly know when, new when when did sets become so massive when did that become like normal it's it's not all the time i think it's mostly that these like special sets that are meant to be a little bit more like uh event convention sets like because because the thing with Baldur Gate is the commander the 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 command fest season of this year exists because of Baldur's gate limited and double masters too right it was like oh we have two commander focused limited environments we need grand prix to fire for all of them so we're gonna just come out with 16 events that are gonna be about commander Baldur's gate being the thing yeah i mean it's it's i think like one of the things that comes to mind for me in this conversation is the whole, we've all heard the phrase a billion times, right? Not every product is for every player and, and people, some people have a huge issue with that. Like it's a, it's a major, major point of contention for a lot of magic players. 
the idea that there are project products that are released that do not necessarily, and, and I think Magic 30 is the biggest example of this lately, where it's like not every product is for every player, well, quotes. So I have maybe controversial thoughts on this because I don't think Magic 30 is a good product. I want to get that out, out of the gate. Like, I think it is a bad yeah. product. I think it is, but not a bad product. Like, I don't think it's evil that it exists. I think it's dumb to buy it. It was a dumb idea to make it. I think it's a product that if you're going to make that product, you had to make it that way. And so you shouldn't have, but I think it affects no one. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I would add to that, by the way, just like my, my thought on it is that I, the more I've thought about it, I agree it's a bad product. I used to actually think it was fine. The, the reason it's so bad is that it encourages you to gamble in a way that I think is really problematic and stupid. Sure. And I think if they had taken the concept of we want to introduce these powerful uh, 19 cards, basically, you know, give or take or whatever, 22 cards or something, Wheel of Fortune. Um, we want to introduce proxy versions, like like token proxy versions with different backs. There was a different way to do that. There was, there was an easier way to do that that I think would have been totally fine. You could have given those away as some sort of promo where it was much more like... It should have never been for sale. Yes, yes, yes. That, the, answer, the, the answer to Magic 30 packs is it should have never been for sale. It should have been giveaways the stores, giveaways at conventions. It should be a thing that comes with your convention pass, right? If you buy the $600, you get, or the, the I think it was a $1,000 Black Lotus badge at Magic 30 or Magic Cons, you got six of them or whatever. Like that's <laughs> what they should have been used for. Brilliant use, right? Stores, WPN stores getting a, a minimum of a box or more, like just should have never been for sale. That's the answer to the product. And that didn't happen. Whatever. Because then it's a pure. Because then it's a pure gamble. And the exact in exactly the way that like you used to go spend in any given set when there was a really expensive mythic. Like back back like Worldwake, you'd play like the Jace lottery. You'd like buy a pack for four bucks and hope to open a Jace to make a hundred dollars. It was fun and exciting, right? You knew you were probably not going to open anything good, but you could. It was possible, and the cost for you know entry was so low because it was a booster pack. This is the same concept as that, where you're like. Almost everything I'm opening here is trash. But if I hit something, but it's but it's two hundred fifty dollars to play that lottery, which like is just a feel bad for everyone involved. Yeah. Every person. It, it's, is not. And, and it's not. It doesn't matter that this product existed. It doesn't matter that the product wizards made it to me. That's my main point. Like it's a dumb product to buy. You should not buy it. Anyone who buys it is making a dumb mistake. Therefore, yeah. wizards making a product for them to buy is, I guess, problematic. But I don't care because just a dumb it, mistake if they're conscious of finance. If they have, if they have an unlimited money and they want it for fun, go for it. It's yours. Don't well, don't even worry. It's, about it's, it. it's bad value, right? It's like someone did the math with a calculator and just like you aren't ever going. You could open a thousand of these and you're just never going. It's never going to be worth it. And it's sure, it's sure, it's sure. like fine. Um, but w- when it comes down to, and I guess that's our magic thirty conversation. When it comes down to like not every product is for you. That's fine. When as long as the, 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 the reason that you get into trouble or wizards gets into trouble for that is that the most common time it comes up is one. It's not every product is for you, especially the cool one that you can't afford to play. Cause we overpriced it. Right. Right. If, if right, right. I'm fine, secret, like secret layers are the best thing to exist, <laughs> not to exist. That's not totally true, but like, who cares, right? Like it's another, like other than the like exclusive art one, the exclusive mechanic ones, which they already fixed. There's a, those are now showing up into packs. So that is even gone from the perspective of like cool alter art versions of stuff of cards that exist already that you never need to buy into. 
fine. Skip them. Like, and that product isn't for you. And that's fine because you don't need it. The problem with like stuff like Modern Horizons is why I think Modern Horizons is a much bigger sin than Magic 30 is you can't be a modern player without having Modern Horizons cards. And you you could have been a modern player before those packs came out. And now you're locked out of the format. And that's true with standard cards. But standard cards aren't $10 a pack. And that and that are seven dollars, whatever the, the, you know, seven dollars a pack. And 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 that is the not everything is for you except when it is for you, but you can't afford it is when it becomes a little bit more problematic. The commander decks, if you're not a commander player, who cares? And if you are a commander player, also, who cares if that there's too many commander decks a year? I think like they should limit it to not have more than one five faction commander deck product come out a year or four faction. I think it should be like two per set other than the one faction set that has five, like new, uh, new Capenna. Um, but you can ignore all of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I also, again, like from from the perspective of of like playing two different formats and the whole idea of a con of like a of like a product being for every player versus not. I think that I think that when you're talking about premium product that is expensive and it, it it's not and it includes new cards. That's actually a pretty that's like an important caveat. Expensive new product that includes new cards. Like for instance, like the the Warhammer 40k decks having like the the like the premium surge foil version, you know, I think that's a great example of like I wanted to get Garrison Starn. The only way I could get that card was to either spend three hundred dollars on that deck or to buy the surge foil for forty six dollars. It's a rare. It's not even a mythic. They there was no way for me to go ahead. You, right there's the non surge foil one. Though. Oh, you mean a foil one? I could have, yeah, I could have gotten the regular one and it was like 12 bucks, but I wanted a foil. Like that was, that was the card I wanted, right? Like that, but like the, the idea that that card, it was like just a like direct, it wasn't even like a base card in the set. It was like a, like a tertiary card included in this product. And the foil version of this card was almost $50 is like out the gate. Like it's so, it, it's just, I guess because it's such an exclusive product, it's so hard to get. Like it doesn't but exist like, anywhere it, else. Well, but it does exist somewhere else. You don't need to own a foil. Like premium versions of cards don't need to exist, right? You could, your deck is totally playable in a tournament with a card that is $12. $12 out the gate is fine, I think. I mean, like there are other cards that come out of packs and are pre-cons that are that expensive. So I don't, I don't like true name Nemesis was $70, right? Out of the box. Sure, Um, sure. Like the, the need to have a foil. That's kind of my point, right? You don't need, you, you don't need any secret layer card. No, like the, the ones that are nice, like the more needed a secret layer card is, the more likely it is that it's good that they, it got a reprint. Because otherwise, before that reprint, it was probably a $60 card that you can now buy for 30. Um, and then you get four other cool looking art cards like Concordant Crossroads was a $40 card. Uh, 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 what's the two mana tap for how many colors of mana you have? Bloom Tender. Bloom Tender was an $80 card and they put it in a secret layer and you could have bought it for $25 and you got four other cards with it. So I think like these premium style versions that have a premium to them, like I have no problem with the Heartless Hitsugugu uh, pink 
card being like a $700 card because the chances of getting one is super low. Sure. The like, you're, saying, you're, you're, saying, you're saying rarity and scarcity when it comes to like any kind of collectible, if it's not necessary to play, is who cares? It's just a cool thing that exists. It's available. You can win the lottery one day and open it. It's kind of the whole point of like why masterpieces were such a fun thing and like ultimately why that has become such an easy include in like most sets because like you don't need to own any of those cards if you get lucky and you happen to open the really cool version it's awesome it's so Otherwise much better that the expensive card in a set is the uh junji ito elish norn foil with the phyrexian foiling pattern than jace is 150 bucks but it's because every standard deck is playing jace well, I mean, so this this creates the current face of 2022 collectible magic, which is that and every single card that is a regular magic card that is playable and standard and like necessary to play has been significantly devalued by the new system, the new model, right? Like that that everything we're talking about plays into exactly that. I got the other night, I'm not too proud to tell the story. I came home the other night, a little drunk, and I was like, you know what? I want to open some booster packs only booster packs I had was this big box of chaos draft packs I had collected. And I was like, okay, I can't open any of these expensive packs because these are all important. I've like collected these, like I need these for chaos drafts, but all of the like chaff that I had been saving up to have, right? Like just like to add in, I had like four brothers war packs. I had five new Capenna packs. I had a collector's booster from Dominaria United, newer stuff. Um, I had like one like Dungeons and Dragons pack. I like opened all of them. I opened like 10 packs. Just like, you know what? Why not? All the good stuff. I'm gonna, oh, and I opened I opened a seventh edition Chinese pack because I was greedy. And I opened a Sunweb. It was worth like eight cents. Um, nothing. Nothing of value. <laughs> but all of those standard packs that I opened, I was shocked because I was like, none of the cool things I'm opening that look really awesome or like seem really cool <clears throat> are worth anything. I was like opening stuff and I was like, oh, Rigo, like that, you know, Streetwise Mentor, that card that was like from Nuka Penna. I got like a showcase full art foil Rigo. I was like, oh, this card's dope. I like this card. Eight, it's worth eight cents. Right. I, I, right. It's like, like, that's like, that's the, that's the reality to opening, you know, draft boosters. Oh, and even and it's you didn't open the art deco foil version, which was worth $12, right? It's, 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 they, they now have premiumized cooler versions of cards that are worth more, but it does mean, like, once again, if you want to make a Rego deck, now it's eight cents. You don't have to spend five dollars to get the cool Rego. And I had a Rego deck and that, that commander is so cool looking like it's a great way to build the deck. But I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow. So all of these cards that I'm opening that are cool looking, that are rares, none of them are worth much of anything. But had I opened the really cool, expensive chase version of one of these things. All good would have been great. Right. And. It it is interesting. I, I the other night I went over to uh, Buddy's house, played uh, some games, Commander, and he had bought three, four boxes of Brothers War, two collectors booster boxes, and he was like, "Hey, I have all these commons and uncommons. You can have anything you want." And, and sorry, sorry, commons, uncommons, and rares. Take anything you want, right? He was like, "Just whatever." Like he, I was like, "The only stuff I opened that I wanted, I kept already." And I was going through, and I I, I got like five Mishra's baubles. I got an old border old border foil Mishra's bobble, right? He was like, don't care. Go for it, right? I looked it up. It's two bucks. Mm -hmm. That card at one time was like $40, mm -hmm. like back before mm -hmm. the reprints, right? But like, 
Because in Brothers War, the point is that if you open up something cool in the premium slot, it's going to be like old border foil mox amber or, you know, something really cool. And like, it means that like, again, the old border foil ornithopter that I opened is worth 24 cents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like stuff that you would think based on what it is, it's playability, it looks really cool, would be expensive, isn't anymore. And I guess... Do you think that's cool? Do you like that aspect that that stuff like other than the exact premium stuff, even that middle class of stuff is really cheap? Do you think that's cool? <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's just, the cheapest it's ever been like from a game perspective. Absolutely. Like you stores yeah. have a like you want to open collector boosters now, right? Like that's the booster boxes. If you're going to open boxes, open up collector ones. That's where you're going to get the value out of them for individual players. who want to play the game. It's the cheapest it's ever been for standard. Um, I can buy a top 10 standard deck for $40. Um, The most expensive deck in standard is $450. And it's partially because it's playing four Liliana, the Bales, and four Shieldreds. But there's a ton of decks in between those two ranging from a hundred to 400 in the top 10 decks in the format. Um, and honestly, that has more to do with just Shieldred is such a like it, standard is broken from a power level perspective around those cards more than anything. Like Mono Black is too strong, and that could change with New Phyrexia or whatever. But I think that people can open packs and gain value, right? You're just no longer opening a basic standard draft pack. You shouldn't op- like, but you shouldn't have been opening those for months, for years, anyways. There's a reason I have a closet filled with just like my prize winnings from FNMs and pre- and and right. pre releases. Because I never like, you know, how many battle for Zendikar packs I own that I'm never going to open because it's terrible to play limited and it's terrible value to open them that I just like one now. But if there, were, if there were collector boosters that every single one had a expedition inside of them, but like most of the expedition lands are stuff like Ghost Quarter with cool artwork and, you know, uh, Reliquary Tower with cool artwork, Command Tower with cool artwork. But then like some of them were fetch lands sick <laughs> i yeah, would open those I, I, I agree completely like the, like this this gets me back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning of the show and this is obviously a memory from 2021 but i will share it most of the cards i opened in my modern horizons 2 collector's booster box that i opened are worth way less now than they were when i opened it and and it's they, they have gone down significantly for the same reason that we're talking about however Opening that box was the most fun I've ever had opening a box of magic cards. It was so exciting. Every pack had something cool that I wanted to open that I was excited to look at. And despite the fact that the cards have gone down in value, which makes the experience looking back like, you know, kind of a little bit like, you know, I guess it seems like it had less value or something. That's the point. That's why you spent, I can't remember what it costs, three, four. 400 300 something like that it was like the most okay. expensive box of magic cards i've ever bought open yeah yeah you know like it was definitely pricey it was like a treat to myself but it was so fun to be opening like these etched foil you know fetch lands and and swords and like like ignoble hierarch and all these cool things I, yeah i think i think like modern horizons is this really interesting thing and that's not really what today's about but we can kind of touch upon this because it's a little bit it's the end of the year we're reviewing our lives um Modern Horizons is being, ended up being this really interesting thing because I think Modern Horizons in general is a mistake. I think it's been bad for modern, but I think it's not as bad as people give it credit for. I think I think the last five years have had been very tumultuous to modern, right? I think that like 
we did the math at one point, 50% of the format is cards printed in the last five years of that 25% of them are modern horizons cards. But that means the other 25% are just cards printed between war, the spark and Ikoria basically. <laughs> and the yeah, only reason yeah. that number isn't higher is because actually less cards have been banned from modern horizon sets than they've been banned from standard sets <laughs> um, over that time. So it's a little like, it's a little wonky there. Um, I also think that like a lot of those sets came out during COVID and that has its own ramifications for which cards you own. I think one of the reasons standard is also unpopular right now is because every single person who wants to play standard is basically starting at that. Like when you first started playing magic and you were only drafting cards and you only had half of the standard pools worth of cards to build your decks. Luckily standards a lot cheaper, but I think people are just grabbing onto that. But modern right now, unless you're buying like the money pile style decks, but modern in general, if you want to buy a top tier deck is less expensive to buy in from a new player perspective than ever before. If you're a brand new person entering the format and you want to buy a modern deck, fetch lands are collectively an average of $15 or, or or enemy fetch. Crazy how cheap, (laughs) like, like, like offensively, like it makes me like question my own reality, how cheap they are because I legitimately like look at these cards. I traded a friggin' etched foil marsh flats the other night is like a throw-in because it was $15 i was like i was like man there was there was i when i bought this card in my mind like there was a time when this was gonna be worth like 80 bucks like for sure like it was yeah crazy so like like yes you need the elementals yes you probably need ragavans yes you need urza sagas these are all cards that just all come from the exact same set that also gives the format a samey feel beyond just the fact that like the play styles are similar, like they were with companions. Now it just feels like all the cards are from the same limited environment, which would be bad. If this was a standard set, that would be considered problematic. But, and, and if you're a continuing modern player, the value of your deck, the cards that you had before has gone down with Tarmogoyf's Liliana Snapcaster mages all being 20 bucks. While you've now had to rebuy in because you had to buy modern sets. And that I think is the real conflict with the modern horizon sets which I think is a net negative. I, I just do think like making Fetchlands less expensive is good. They need to do it to the elementals, Ragavons, Ren and Sixes, Force Negations, etc. But I think they hopefully plan on doing it. And I think also there's a world where they were looking for, you know, ways. In some ways, I always felt like the Modern Horizon sets were just testing the foot in the water, just letting Modern be every card that they print into every draft set that comes out. Like, not Commander products, maybe, so that like Soul Ring and uh, stuff like that doesn't get included, but I don't know. It's 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 going to be an interesting to see what that happens. I do think the Lord of the Rings set next year is going to be underpowered. I was going to say I think there are two ideas with Modern Horizons, with the first one and the second one that I think were realized already. The first one is that by the time the first Modern Horizons set was being designed, it was becoming clearer and clearer to Wizards that Legacy was dying and Vintage was going to be unsustainable. Both really, but but for different reasons. But not, neither format was going to be five or 10 years from now, a heavily or commonly played format. Like they would become vintage would become the same as old school and, and really legacy would become like vintage used to be um, just because the availability of cards was, was so low. And because modern would become the primary legacy, you know, uh, uh, eternal format because of the just sheer size of the card pool. And if that was going to be the case, unless they just printed cards from legacy, like, you know, the wastelands of the world into modern, which they may at some point, it was okay for it to feel like it was competitive and high powered in the same way. That was fine. They didn't mind. 
it was okay to do that. Like inevitably the format was going to become that anyway. So I think that that was like a big focus uh, and, and reason to do that. I think the other thing though, that, that, man, and I, this is, this is the part of the whole, like every product for every person or, or the alternative of that, that's so hard is that, you know, there is a schedule of release and a cycle of product release that we all pay attention to as consumers. Like we like it, we talk about it. It's part of our life. It's fun. It's news. But when they manufacture a set and they put it at market and they have to like, they, they have like an earnings sheet and they have like board, you know, like, like members of the board, they have to balance the certain amount of what they're going to get back on the investment. They only, they, I mean, this year obviously proved they could release as many products as they wanted. But in general, it's like we have this many sets. They have to make this much money. So why does Infinity get crazy, cool steam vents and stuff printed into the set? It's because they have to have people buy it. Why does Modern Horizons 2 get Raghavan and these cards that are so expensive? Because they know they have to have people spend money on the product. When the product doesn't have any reason for us to buy it, there's no like incentive. The product isn't going to sell. It can't you have, make you a have, product. You have, you have Baldur's Gate Legends where yeah. it it the place where its cards are powerful is Legacy. No one plays Legacy. Commander players didn't really latch on to a lot of cards super powerfully on it. It doesn't have any modern staples in it. You know, you you the set that was successful, Commander Legends, included the partner mechanic, which was non which was not parasitic like background was right. Like choose a background and it being super parasitic versus partner, which became super ingrained into the culture of commander, which I mean, my, my like least popular opinion by far is that I think partner is one of the best mechanics in commander, but I definitely am <laughs> alone in that. Um, but the, the kind of what I was going to say with, with, you know, the Lord of the Rings set to your point is the Lord of the Rings set doesn't need that because you're going to get a bunch of people that love Lord of the Rings buying the Lord of the Rings set versus command, you know, and kind of what they hope with Commander Legends. You're like, oh, Baldur's Gate. People love D&D. We're going to get all the D&D magic players back. And it just happened to be too soon after the last one. So that group didn't come back to the well quick enough. And the regular audience was like, no, I don't like this. So and, and look, we experienced this like, you know, with with Kess, we experienced the reality of this, which is like, you have a house product that you create that you are responsible for the grassroots marketing on you believe is a cool thing and you're telling people how cool it is and you believe it's great and in our case we're lucky we have products that are actually great they're the best of what they are people buy them right but there's always the risk if we make one and put it out there and it isn't well received and it fails there's no reason for people to buy that product that is failing other than we thought it was cool versus when we get a license for an anime property or something else and we put it in stores, even if it's not the best version, which in our case it is, but even if it wasn't, people would buy it because they know what it is. They would just buy it. That's how it works. That's why it's literally why that happens. And that's why I think Wizards is so interested in investing the way they are, because they know there's a little bit more cachet in collectors will buy this, whether we put a chase card in it or not. But it costs them more to make that by a wide margin, by like a huge margin, I'm sure. Well, you know, you're talking about like, does Wizards need to put power level into the sets? It's hard because I think some of it's also just like they're designing cards because they think they're going to be really good for modern. I think like this is the last thing I want to say about Mo Modern Horizons because it didn't come out this year. We shouldn't be talking about this. Anyways, that's not the theme of the podcast today. Um, if you ask any person who's a grinder or a tournament player that's playing modern right now, modern is the best it's ever been from a gameplay perspective. 
ignore cost, ignore the nostalgia for the cards you're playing. That's the word on the street. That's the statement about the format. Best format that's ever existed, except for the fact that a lot of the cards come from these three sets and you don't have the nostalgic feel you have. And it doesn't feel like there's no longer home for them, even though that kind of is pioneer. Part of that is because removal is more universal. Like the one thing that these sets did that's not talked about enough, I think, is it just heavily streamlined the removal in the format to mean that there's actually good answers for the multitude of strategies you may face. Endurance gives an extraordinarily powerful version of graveyard hate. Uh, Fury eats creatures up. Solitude is a free way to eat creature combo decks. Uh, Force and negation lets you fight those. Ren six kills X ones. There, you know that that is definitely a part of one of the reasons Modern Horizons has made what pro players have had a problem with the format go away. Right, it's no longer two ships passing in the night. It's two ships bashing against each other. The problem we've talked about is expensive. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Modern Horizons before I jump into the the four sets that released this year, the standard sets? Uh, uh, what I was going to say was that when you talked about pro players and their opinion of the way that this format exists, and, and I think it comes down to quite simply, and, and like, this is, we don't need to like dive any further into it because I think we've talked a lot about modern horizons, but we're about to talk about standard sets. And I think it's important for us to note magic was invented and created 30 years ago. And there was a system of release and design that for the first five or 10 years was a little tenuous. They didn't quite know what they were doing in terms of how to, you know, balance stuff. Like there were mistakes made. There were sets in there that created insane standard environments like the Urza sets and things like that, Mirrodin. But as we kind of got into that, like New World Order, late 2000s run, they started to get a pretty good sense of how to design standard sets and how many cards they could push in a standard set to maintain standard and at the time, add to extended. And as we went, add to modern. And every format, because that system was the only system in existence, there was nothing else. There was no commander sets at the time. There was no modern horizons. There was no way to print additionally added powerful cards. You couldn't have that drastic of an impact on literally any format. Like any, any standard set that got printed would have two to 10 cards that were pretty cool. And you would find a way to sort of add those and the formats were very slow to move. Because of the change, that 20-year ecosystem that was created, roughly, give or take 20 years, changed pretty drastically, actually. And, and it started to happen originally with the first commander sets. That was like when you had True Name and Scavenging Ooze and cards getting added to you know eternal formats that were very powerful. And as soon as Horizons hit, that was when it was like, oh my God, okay, you can actually introduce... 25 cards that are going to have an impact with one set. This is this format that we were playing no longer resembles the same format. It's, it's unfixable, right? We can't, we can't ban a card to fix it. It is now forever changed because that became the precedent. Those, those pros you're talking about, their attitude is justified because the old thing was, was very reliable. It was slower to react. I would say that compared to magic now, it was boring not in a bad way, but in a, like, it just didn't move very fast way. But that is the truth. It, it, you, we can never go back to that unless we stop completely. But at this point, most formats have been so affected by all these products. These products sell well. It's never going to change back. This is, the, this is the world we now live in, and it will always be this way. It will always print a multitude of cool, different, and creative products that affect these formats. I do, I do think it'll slow down. 
Like, for instance, I think the amount of products that came out between September and December of this year is never going to happen again. Partially because there were there were like worldwide flaws of production issues that caused some of that. I think also lessons were learned. Um, I think those two things together. I think next year will be a lot of product, but I think they learned their lesson this year to the extent that literally Hasbro's stock price was being affected by too much products being released at once that they're going to slow that process down. Sure. And next year, we're not going to have the same moment either because they not, they're not going to have uh, two of the sets that were supposed to come out early in the year come out at the end of the year because of delays. And so I think this is the most we're ever going to see. I, I agree from the secret layer world and the collector booster world. I think like stuff like Brothers War did with the ancient artifacts and what uh, you, we got out of the sets from Strixhaven with the Mystical Archive. I think that's going to be once a year, once that's going to have a cool thing like that. Um, but there's just going to be cool stuff. And even like when we're already seeing new Phyrexia, they're doing cool treatments. They have Junji Ito artwork for Elish Norn. They have some amazing foiling pro. They have three different amazing foiling processes on cards that you can see already on the cards that they've shown off. And I think that's sure. the stuff that's going to continue. And it's going to be really cool. Um, and is to me, the thing that is good for game players. The big question is how good it is for LGSs, which I can't answer because I don't, even I mean, they, they that said on that stream, like literally the other day on that stream, they made a point of saying we still care about LGSs, which if you have to say that in the stream is a tough, it's a tough look. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like that's, I feel like that is a, that is a tough thing for them to bounce back from. And it's hard going and playing FNM at an LGS and talking to the employees there. It, it just, it just doesn't feel, does they, 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 it doesn't seem like the people at those LGSs feel very supported by wizards. And, you know, you're, you're, I, there, there is also, we are still getting wrecked by COVID, right? Like we haven't, they haven't bounced fully back from that. They're starting to, and wizards strategy needs to kind of readjust back to having the LGS be a part of that strategy. But I think that process right. is happening. Um, all right. Four sets. We're running out of time anyways. Let's go through it. With all of those problems we just discussed, this might be one of the best years of standard sets of all time. <laughs> I would Where like, like Neon Kamigawa might be one of the best sets ever. Oh, yeah. It's a great set. Phenomenal. Right? Right. The whole world, the building, everything they did with it, the draft format, the characters, the story they told, everything about it, gangbusters. New Capenna, one of the coolest words they developed, probably the weakest of the three that we're going to talk about, but still a really, really cool set, a revisit to, to tricolor, which is always really popular. Limited was not in the top end, but from a world building perspective, a lot of people really related to it. The next set Dominaria uh, United, a return to Dominaria, a fun limited environment, a really, really cool story beat moment. A lot of cool cards coming from that set. Maybe the most forgettable because then you follow up with Brothers War, which ends up being one of the best limited environments of all time. A really, really, really cool throwback set, recreating one of the biggest moments in Magic history. Most people I talk to that I'm like, they're like, oh, I used to play Magic back in the day. Is Urza still a guy? You got a Black Lotus? Like, those are the two words they remember. <laughs> and we got right, right, right. to see it happen. <laughs> Yeah, I think of those four sets, um, the one that I played a significant amount of limited was Brothers War. I've played a ton. Um, I would say it's a really fun limited format. I do think it lacks the Burning Vengeance spider spawning type of deck, in my opinion. It, it doesn't have that. By the way, those are both Innistrad references for anybody that didn't know. Um, grindy decks that do cool things that are outside of just attacking and blocking necessarily or like like when I when I play uh, 
uh, Brothers War Limited now. I like Force Green. I like I just know it's the best. Or it's like that or like Blue White, but it's always creature decks. It's always like very aggro, tricky sort of. Th- those always are the decks that win. Um, it has other stuff to it. It is a great format though. I've had a lot of fun playing it. I feel like it's it's nicely balanced. The removal is really well balanced, which is always good for a limited format. Like United for me is the one that is definitely the most forgettable. It has a handful of things that I think are really cool. I love the cycle of Lords, the two drops. Um, I think it's a really great design. I think they're very fun. I think a lot of the rest of the set didn't have the splash that the first Dominaria set had from five years ago or four years ago, whenever that was. United just feels a little like lackluster, I guess. Yeah, like I opened three or four collector boosters and just found myself thinking like, yeah, nothing I'm opening is cool. Like this is all kind of just whatever. Like I don't care about any of these legends. Um, so that's the the last two. But played a little bit of limited in Capenna. I love the flavor of Capenna. I think it's a really cool set. I think like the art, the art deco noir stuff. We talked about this back when the set was spoiled. It it has like elements of Batman the, the animated series a lot for me, which is rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. It has like that vibe, which is really fun. Um, obviously multicolor sets are always super cool. There's nothing in that set that I want to open. I don't care about any of the cards. I, I, I'm trying to think if there's a single card in that set that if I'd opened like an etched crazy art deco foil, I would have lost it. And like basically nothing. Um, so I think, I think it's the legendaries, right? I think, I think like new Capenna to me, the world building is amazing. The characters are really cool. Any of the legends in Art Deco are sweet. Ledger Shredder is the card you actually want to open. A good card, yeah. Uh, which is just like, you know, uh, the new Tarmogoyf in a lot of ways. But I think the, like in Art Deco Xander, in Art Deco, any of the five like com- like demon president or, or, or uh, uh, I'm forgetting what they're called at this point, but uh, leaders of the different factions. Um, sure. Like, I think I think they're their assistants, they're second in the commands. Like, I think all of those in Art Deco style is like the chase stuff of that set. I guess you have I guess you have the yeah, you have the uh, Trilance, the the the, the cycling triumphs for triumphs for sure. Um, yeah, those are all those are all pretty good to open. I think that set's a really interesting one because I think the limited environment isn't is medium. Uh, it's not the best. The world building is really great. There's some really cool. It's like one of the better commander sets, I think, for the year by like a wide margin, um, both. Uh, and I think that there is also like the story is a weird one because it kind of ends on this big cliffhanger. Now we're kind of getting the follow up follow through on that. So that's cool. Um, and there's just like some weird pieces to that puzzle that didn't kind of play out super well. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting story set. But I will say like Triome or, or bicycle, Tricycle Lands and the different legend, all the different really cool legendary creatures from the set are easily the best part of it. And and that's important. I guess, I guess unlicensed Hearst is a thing. Yep. That's true. Um, yeah. That card's good. And then, and then you get to Kamigawa, which to me of the four, when it comes from a pure design perspective is my favorite. Um, I think brothers war is the one that rivals it, but I think from a, like looking at it and like, like the other day I was looking through artifacts, uh, multicolor artifacts and just like, cheap cmc artifacts for like a cool deck that i wanted to build and i was like i kept coming across like really cool cards from neon dynasty that were like reconfigure or like just uncommons that were awesome and like it's just a really fun set i love the vibe of it i love the art i love the design of it i think it's 
balanced really well. Like I think the power level is not outrageously high, but it still feels really cool. The five channel lands are super awesome. They're some of my favorite cards printed in quite a while. Like kind of love all of them. I like they're, they, they feel super playable to me. Um, yeah, I think I think of those four sets. The I, I think the the pure the purest best set is Capen, is is um, Neon Dynasty, and I think my favorite, maybe because I played it the most, environment is Brothers War. And I also like the you know uh, myth, what is it classic mythic what artifacts what is it what are they called the retro artifacts in in Brothers War. I don't They're know what their the, name is. I've kind of been wondering that this whole podcast. Ancient artifacts? Did you say that? Okay, just, whatever. I just made up, I made up a cool name earlier. Ancient artifacts. You did. I thought you were right. I thought you were telling the truth. No, I thought no, you were no, correct. No, that was you, off the top of my head. Me. I have no idea. Oh. I mean, like as I said, like one of my complaints is all the products is I like just started playing Brothers War Limited last weekend, and I've loved it. And I was like, oh man, I wish we paid attention to this when it came out three weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, those those retro border artifacts. They didn't actually put a crazy amount of good cards into the sheet, which is really interesting. That's not it's not like stock. It's not it's not like masterpieces. Like getting yeah, a yeah, really yeah. Good card, you like 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 Mox Amber, which, retro way, border. Go in there. I traded for one the other night. I got one now. Finally, I, just, I opened it. It was like pretty hype. I also um, got like a bunch of the Transformer cards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a bunch of those too. Um. But yeah, I think I think uh, I, I think that of those sets, Kamigawa is my favorite, and Brothers War would be number two, and uh, the other two are fine. But 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 like a pretty good year, I would say. Like we didn't have a loser. We sure. didn't have a, we didn't have full on strikeout no, set. No, you know? I think I think like I think um, what's it called is probably my least favorite, and that is not saying a lot because I pretty much I, I I like it a lot, which is which is Dominaria United, right? Yes. Where it's like. That's probably the set I like the least. It's not that I didn't love it. It just it's the most generic feeling. If it, it feels the most like a core set, which like we haven't talked about the fact that this is the second year with no core sets. And they're basically gone, replaced by these fall set, the, the double fall set period, which have always kind of felt like an ABE, like almost the mini blocks are back. Um, now, next year, that won't be true. It'll be Ixalan and, and um, Eldrain. We're going to Eldrain and Ixalan next fall. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So two, two, two questions there. You are helpful, uh, you. <laughs> Sorry. The first one is, do you like that we go back to so many old worlds? Like, do you think that the fact that we return so many times is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Great thing. Okay. The familiarity. People get excited about something yep. they know. Okay, great. Uh, second thing is a set like Dominaria United, which in so many ways, because of Magic's classic feel, we had a Dominaria set four years ago. So much of the theme of United played on old mechanics, old like throwbacks, right? Like it kind of in the end, because it's a classic format, feels like a core set, like you said. And like the, when, when it comes to me, like I think about those five lords we talked about, the five, the merfolk lord, the goblin, the elf. Opening those at rare does feel like the kind of thing you'd open in like an M10. Like it feels just like the kind of thing that the old core sets would give you. Um, now, the whole set. I mean, even done had like like even had a high profile reprint like Liliana the Veil, right? That's like classic corset shenanigans. See, so for me, it just feels like maybe this is the old man get off my lawn and me, but like there are things about old magic I'm fine with. Like I'd be happy to go back to corsets. I liked corsets. 
the way that they the corsets like the, the the like m10 corset style like i enjoyed them I, I when they came out i always played them the limited environments always felt like they were fairly straightforward you had a couple cool cards i was happy to get some new cards i don't need but go ahead i don't know I can see your face and you're I would you want to respond. I would like to know what you're thinking. Okay. Uh <laughs> I think we're living in the best of both worlds, right? Like where like because yeah. I miss blocks, right? I will agree with you that I miss blocks. I miss the story being told, uh not all happening at once and feeling like it all happened in a week. So if I wasn't paying right. attention, it's gone. Right. Like I, I like that Innistrad took place over two sets. The story that happened in Innistrad was fine, but I like that we had a block. I liked that the like return to Dominaria and then flashback to its past happened over a two set period of time. I'm excited for March of the Machines next year. Um, I think that in general, th- having the double fall set be connected is cool and great. I think that the s- core set when like it just doesn't have an identity that I need super badly. Like as long as we're getting it in other places and stuff like that in other places. And it's kind of what they're using jumpstart for at this point. Um, so when you're talking about that, you're saying that from a magic consumer, who's like trying to follow the story and like wants to like watch the characters you like have moments represented in cards. The course that interrupts that in a major way, like it, it gives you like a very like, sort of disconnected or in the case that sometimes those corsets would have they would have those moments but they were like disconnected from the rest of the year right the, like i mean the, the best part. corsets of all time were all story corsets right magic origins magic yeah. 15 with garrick i mean magic m10 with the recreation of it i guess is a different case but like when we got the recent years um the chandra flashback set the nickel bolus flashback set right when they were prequels like those are the best core sets in my mind and then those are just story sets they're just they're just they're just backstories that's that's really that's interesting you say that because i was thinking as i was going through old cards this week i played i guess a pretty good amount of magic origins i remember i remember playing it a lot and i came across a lot of foils and just cards that i had drafted during that time i was reminded of like this was a core set. This was actually a core set, but it was a really cool core set. It felt like it was doing something interesting or like sort of unique within the confines of like magic history. So you got reprints, you got cool new stuff, you got very basic seeming stuff, like stuff that like didn't feel like it was pushing the, which is exactly what Dominaria, the new one feels like. I, I actually think Dominaria United feels maybe as close to Origins as a set has in a long time. Like, like it also, like, I'm just cool. like looking through Magic uh, Dominaria United cards. Like it has the it has the Painlands as a cycle. Yeah, you right. That's also, like, a like corset the most corset vibe <laughs> thing you could ever do. Like, I, honestly, I think this is just a corset, <laughs> which is maybe like a grand realization other people have had that I'm just having now, much later. Yeah. Here's here's my complaint with Dominaria United. I think Dominaria the set was this big throwback set it was the first time we got to see a lot of these characters on these cards it had a lot of these really cool uh, mechanics that were like incorporating legendaries and artifacts and enchantment sagas all together that was really cool um great set the problem with the sequel to that set is so much of that set relied on that being a novelty and unique that doing it again kind of is boring like 
Now we're just doing Dominaria again, which is a corset. But maybe that's the point. If Dominaria United actually is a secret corset that all of us kind of miss that it's a corset, and maybe this should be a tech talk that works. But <laughs> um, if Dominaria United is a corset, then it's perfect. It has, as you said, it has a cycle of lords. It has painlands. It has a powerful reprint planeswalker and Liliana the Veil. It has like a cool throwback mechanics. I but. If I were to do a Dominary return set next, I think I would focus, I would just totally make it different. Like a different, I wouldn't try and make a sequel to Dominaria and Dominaria United. I would try and do a different thing that's like throwback to Tempest and have spikes and slivers in the same set or yeah, throwback right. to, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what Brothers War does, right? Like that's an antiquities throwback. Like that does do that. But I think Dominary United or Dominaria and Brothers War both succeeded. Dominaria United failed by not leaning into a vibe beyond Legendary Matters, which is no longer a theme that I think is leanable to because every set does that because of Commander. I think for me, like, because I know we're going to wrap up here in a second, I would end this thought when I... We've now talked about, like, I don't have the count in front of me, but it feels like about nine products... Total more. for 2022, maybe more, maybe 11. Let's count. Dom- um, I'm counting. Dominary United. Okay, so the four standard sets. Let's just knock that out. Four standard. Uh, yeah. The two uh, and, and uh, the the Commander Legend sets, Unfinity. Uh, we talked about Jumpstart plus the other two Jumpstarts. We talked about, um, let's b- pull these together as secret layers and uh the like collector like uh, the, the pack, fun pack, whatever. So we're at 11. And we and didn't talk 30. about Dominaria remastered we didn't talk about um yeah magic 30 came out magic we did talk about magic 30 we didn't talk about double masters 2 this year too. All. we didn't talk about warhammer or we did talk about warhammer we talked about for a little bit <laughs> so that's 15 that's sets and i'm missing and there's no way I, we barely talked about commander products which is there's four of no, those no, you, 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 you talked about a few I, th- I think you just miscounted slightly i think i think it's like 13 maybe 14 you double counted a few things just now. No, no, uh, I think we're at nineteen. Maybe. Uh, well, what? Okay. P- point being, guys, that if it's fifteen or it's nineteen. Twenty. Twenty. Really I'm saying twenty. Hard 20, twenty. Twenty products this year. My point was to say the biggest sin committed by the release schedule in Magic in 2022, and the thing that when I look back on it, like I'm going to really remember. I hope changes. As a community and as a consumer, we need a certain amount of time to get excited about, open, ingest, talk about, and then play a set. You have to have it. If you don't have that, if that cycle doesn't exist for you, the set will not feel exciting and your memory of the set will change, which is why like looking back at our old favorite sets, the ones that really stand out, the Rise of the Eldrazi's, the Innistrad's, the like really special sets, we had the full cycle. We had the 10 weeks, 12 weeks, like to really do it, to lead up to it, to open it, to draft it, the pre-release, to talk about it, trade the cards. You get to play the limited format for a good solid month, six weeks before you're even thinking about the next thing. It's like two, you, you're sick of the format before the next previews even start. That is the thing that is missing the most from Magic's current cycle. And 2022, I think, takes that concept and like, and just like laughs at it because like, most of the sets this year, there's only a few that I even really registered as like relevant to talk about. Like I, I most of them, I remember like one day we're in our group text with the Masters of Modern guys, 
we'd be like, oh, this card's cool. Or like you and I would do a set review or something and like we would get excited for a day about a card. And then I'd blink and we'd be previewing the next set. Often I wouldn't have even opened a card yet. So like I think that the, a lot of magic and a lot of magic's history and the cycle that has made it so successful is kind of invalidated by that. It's the, it's the one thing, like, I don't know how many sets you have to cut out, but I do think that the current release cycle eliminates that phenomenon. If you don't get to have that thing where as a, as a collective group mind, a community, we are living the excitement of this one thing all together for a month or two months, we get it for like a week and that's not long enough. That, that is, that is the biggest shortcoming that I hope changes in 2023. Absolutely. So my final thought that I'm, I'm, we're ending on that thought. That's the thought. Everyone make sure to check out our Patreon. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure to uh, check us out on TikTok, the MMCast TikTok. Make sure to follow me and Ben at Cast and everything, including TikTok. Uh, and make sure to check out our TCG player link below. If you're going to buy some cards, if you're going to buy any of the cards that we're talking about or packs or sets, or you're going to buy new, new cards from new Phyrexia, buy all of them from, from TCG player below. Click that link. And thank you to our editors. Thank you to our uh, to Renee. Thank you to you, Ben. Thank you to everyone. Thank every you one you, of you listening. Thank, thank you to you too, sir. All Perfect. Right. And Thanks, we'll sir. talk to all of you in the new year. Happy New Year, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Christmas all time of. is here. Da, da, Cheers. Da, da, da. Hope I, I. Good luck in Wham again, and everybody. And, uh, and to all a good night. Let Christmas give you my heart. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.